What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kind of Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in again. As always, we love you. We love you. Coming live on a rainy Wednesday night in Los Angeles, uh, we talked to an old pal of ours named Lowleaf. Coincidentally, Lowleaf, I think, was one of Ben... I think it was one of Ben's first two or three videos that we did that he did at Knocksteady. And um it was a big that was a big video for us when when we did that and I was really stoked and surprised about how it came out. First things first, uh you can follow me on Twitter at its intuition. You can follow my man Ben Shim, who I was just talking about, behind the boards making the shit sound buttery at I am database, based with two S's. You can follow us as a unit at that's kinda neat. Facebook.com slash kind of neat, YouTube.com slash that's kind of neat, where you can see Lowleaf perform her song as one, killing it on the keys and such. Uh, and you can find everything wrapped up in a pretty package at kind of neat.net. So, yeah, Lowleaf, she's a very interesting character, very spiritual gal. She's definitely on like a search to figure things out for herself. Um, and she has a lot of interesting ideas about her relation to the planet and the, you know, the sun, moon and stars and all that good stuff. Um, so spirituality is a big topic of conversation during this podcast and um, also talks about a lot about like cleansing and stuff like that. And I thought coincidentally uh, it was interesting uh, because I kind of went through like this kind of weird clean out cleansing thing this week. Like for some reason on Monday, I just kind of woke up like, man, there's too much clutter in my house. I need to start getting rid of shit. And so first things first, I just had noticed that I just had way too many fucking sweatshirts and sweaters and warm weather clothes. Cause for some reason I tend to only buy stuff for the cold. Like, cause that, that shit is mad styly for me, but it's never cold in California. So I just have like a closet full of sweaters and sweatshirts that I never wear. It's like, all right, I'm going to take this shit to Buffalo Exchange. Emptied out a bunch of old clothes, took that, and then I was like, you know, I should keep going. Like, what's other shit that I don't use? And I was like, oh, look it, there's that CD collection. I had like maybe 300 CDs sitting around. I haven't played a CD in my car or on my computer probably since 2010. And like, I haven't bought a CD since 2008. I actually remember the last CD that I bought was... um UGK, their double disc that they came out with. I think it was just called Underground Kings, maybe. Do you remember? You remember what it was? Yeah. Anyways, a double disc. I bought it uh, right before like Rock the Bells 2008 or something. And that was like the last CD that I bought. So I was like, I need to get rid of these. They're fucking stupid. I don't need them. I mean, it's not that they're stupid. That's a terrible thing to say. They're probably collectible. They're probably very valuable to some people. But I just realized that like these items are just all they do is make it harder if I want to pick up and move. They make things harder to move. So I took them all out of the booklets. I put them back in the CD case. And I took them to Amoeba to sell them. And I'm thinking that would make like, you know, there was like maybe 300 CDs. I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll make like 50 bucks. I was thinking like 50 bucks on the high end and, and like 30 bucks I would be happy with. And then after they checked out my CDs, they're like, oh, here's 250 bucks. I said, God damn, man, no shit. 250 bucks. That's tight. So yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Let's keep going. And, uh, and I'm putting my TV and my TV stand on Craigslist because I realize I haven't turned my TV on in six months. I don't have cable. I haven't had cable for three years. So I just have this big 42 inch TV sitting in my room for fucking nothing. And it just takes up space. I don't want it. And so I'm just kind of spiritually cleansing, I guess, by getting rid of all these useless items. And then 
I was like, you know what? I'm looking at my Facebook timeline and all these people are strangers. I don't know who any of these motherfuckers are. Everybody posting these BuzzFeed videos and these fucking lists and gawker shit. And I'm like, who are these people? I don't know any of them. And most of them are just like old rap dudes that tried to add me like probably in 2009 so that they could promote their shows and my events and stuff, which is another obnoxious thing. Like quit inviting me to events in like, you know, Phoenix or something. Like I live in Los Angeles, man, like know who you're promoting to for Christ's sakes. So, you know, while I was selling my CDs, I was sitting at Amoeba going through my friend list on my phone. And if I didn't know the person's name or recognize their face from the picture, I'm like, you're gone. And I got rid of 2000 people on Facebook and like, it's great. Like now in my fucking chat bar on the side, it's all people that I recognize and would actually want to talk to. And then all the stuff in my timeline is from actual friends that I know and keep in contact with. And I can see what's going on in their life rather than like, you know, MC smoke a lot 26, you know, like, I don't know who the fuck you are. So anyway, the shit feels great. Sometimes it's nice to just, you know, literally and figuratively clean out your closet. Yeah. So if anybody want to buy a a 42 inch plasma TV, holler at your boy. I got it for cheap. (sighs) Now we're going to get into the conversation that I had with this young lady named Angelica Lopez, who you guys might know as low leaf. She's been doing well, making music, touring Europe and, uh, Shit's cool, man, and it was a fun conversation because she's a homie. So without further ado, here's Low Leaf. I'm always kind of wavering in and out of meditation. Really? The whole whole day consists of drifting off into a meditative state? Yeah. I've been trying more and more to stay in that in a state like beyond my own internal static so it's it's a challenge because once i started to become more aware or just like watch my thoughts i watch how much i drift off into like hypotheticals and shit that isn't even real so yeah (laughs) i was like i'm always having to check myself to like stop yourself from daydreaming or what do you mean um well i like daydreaming mm-hmm. but i find that there's a difference between thoughts that are detrimental to me and and thoughts that help me out so you, you try know? to like push away the negativity yeah um i mean not yes negativity generally because i don't like negativity but i guess i'll call it like illusions yeah, illusions, because a lot of times I'll just like make assumptions about my reality or think about the past or the future and just like put a, a certain lens over it that necessarily isn't real, you know, and it takes me away from from the moment and like all that's real is really what's in front of me. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of times they tend to be negative as far as like how they affect me. You know, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Everything that you just said, other than that, what what have you been up to? I haven't seen you in like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, I've I've been in this state of kind of hibernation and just cleansing, and you know, trying to really root myself in in everything that I truly believe in, mm-hmm. and um. I guess it's been two years, has it? Probably. Since, yeah, since we then. did we did the Knox City video in like probably August of eleven, I think, or really? maybe yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, ago end now. of two thousand eleven. Yeah. Yeah, since then a lot of 
great things have happened. Like yeah. that video opened up so many doors for me. Absolutely. I, yeah. I'm happy that that happened. And, I, yeah. and I'm, that's one of the videos that I'm most proud that we did because yeah. it's like, I think a lot of people, that was when a lot of people started hitting me up about you going like, yo, what is up with that girl? Like, can we get her to play this show or do that or whatever? And I'm like, get her up, <laughs> dude. She's awesome. Yeah. Well, I remember that period of time and I, and I definitely like got a lot of opportunities to play shows. And that's when I just started playing shows and I wasn't necessarily ready for all the shows that came my way, but I definitely learned a lot because I, I just put myself out there and saw what didn't work. And mm -hmm. I really, really grew as far as like just facing my fears and expectations of, of what I thought people wanted. Like, they would just be like, all right, now do that song where you play the harp and keys. with." And I was like, I don't want to do that. That's right. Not <laughs> I could imagine that that video probably came almost a bit of a burden because like then because there are some, you know, more pedestrian music listeners that peruse YouTube, perhaps that was a lot of peas who maybe like start coming to the shows and they think that's what, oh, that's the girl that does those three things at once. Yeah, the multitasking stuff. Yeah. And it took me a while to realize that. Um, when I'm performing, I'm not necessarily there to entertain, although it helps to be entertaining. Um, you kind of go into a different world when you perform. Thanks. Like when I allow myself to. And this past year, I've toured in Europe three times, which is really dope. And each time, like it really like broke through another layer of my ego. And it's pretty difficult, you know, because I really try to like genuinely like free myself. But it's hard when when you kind of expect reciprocity from certain audiences. And then, you know, I had to learn that I'm truly there to, to give every time and to balance that out. Even though it's nice to get energy back from the audience, what I truly want to be getting energy from to give is from source, which I can I can access most directly, like internally, mm -hmm. you know? So that was a very like um, run on sentence. No, it was this very spiritual way to say that, like, sometimes shows suck, but you have to make the best of them anyways. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because because it sucks uh, to play in front of a crowd that's not responding back. Yeah. And, and it sucks when just like the circumstances aren't in your favor. But I'm learning that every circumstance that comes my way is truly set up that way so that I can face the next spiritual challenge. Yeah. Like everything is a lesson uh -huh. in that light. And yeah. that's what helps me get through it because like that's ultimately how I truly see it. You said you've been hibernating. Uh, like, have you been working on music while you hibernate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of, um, like, yoga and meditation and cleansing and, you know, just trying to to see myself through, like, the clearest reflection possible. Because, like, I I'd say this past year I've had to do a lot of healing I realized that there was a lot of like karmic energy that I had to experience of like what I was projecting onto other people like in different ways and I had to just like you know face my inner demons and you know come to peace with it you know and um that has been translating into the music so the music has like gotten weird in a lot of ways but it's always like 
it's always changing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, a lot of music. Well, and and I think it's probably always changing because you have so many varied talents. You can play a lot of things, as we kind of already mentioned. And I think you're classically trained in piano, maybe. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I was classically trained for over like 13 years, but I mean. I can only play one of the classical pieces from like. But the you menu. write really amazing. Well, so here's the thing. I, I want to give a little anecdote. Like, the, you know, the first time we filmed that video, all I had seen was that song, and I wasn't really fully aware of all of your talents. And you know, in that thing, you're just using kind of three fingers and and plunking chords essentially. And then we went to lunch at, at USC, and and there was like a fucking piano practice room. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, you sat down and play. You're like, oh, you want to hear this thing that I wrote? And I'm like, yeah. And you sit down and play this like mini concerto, and I was like blown away. I have a videotape still on my phone somewhere it's crazy um so yeah let's go back real early before we start talking about what you've been doing recently like where are you born and bred um i was born in hollywood really in hollywood (laughs) to what kind of parents to very strict conservative filipino first generation parents how did the parents end up over here they're both from the philippines and my they got married out there and my my father had a dream to become a doctor and so he just did it and um they moved out here and they worked extremely hard like I'm, so your dad became a doctor in the philippines and then migrated over here um he got his i don't know his like doctor's yeah license M- md or whatever yeah, yeah out yeah. there and then he started a his own private practice no shit yeah in hollywood um yeah well in los angeles and now they currently have their own you know private practice like in like around alvarado or something in la yeah yeah so yeah they're my parents and what what did mom do my mother pretty much she manages his office okay so she's like the secretary and manager and pretty much like the neck of like the whole like body of operation right right they're very much like a working pair okay so it's really beautiful because like they still have the love and like they play golf together do yoga together and they're they're, like best friends and they're married and it's really lovely that's dope did you get to go back to the philippines a lot as a kid Oh, man. I've been there three times in my life. The first time I was in third grade, second time I was like 17, and then I went last year. So there's like intervals between those like visits, and each time was like a new experience because I myself was different. Right. But I'll never forget the first time because I got to do awesome things like play at the foot of a volcano with a carabao in the mud. Yeah. Is a lot of family still over there? Yeah, my little brother is currently out there in med school and like my aunt's there and then I have like my whole musical family that I had just met last year and um I'm going back next year. Don't. And I'm so excited. Is everybody okay from the time? Yeah, cool. they are. Thankfully, my immediate family is okay and everyone who I know who had to experience the typhoon, they're alive. Yeah. Their homes are ruined and um it really really affects affected me when I first found out man like I just I couldn't help it like I was just once I saw the footage like I was just crying and like praying and trying to send my energy and I'm gonna like do what I can um about it because next year I'm gonna go to do a medical mission and play some shows and um 
I have this like fundraiser I'm a play to like raise money and then me and Zero did a song together put on this compilation where all the proceeds are going to go to the Philippines and you know just um it's always hard because you want to do so much but yeah. I have to remember I have to you know do what I do and have help that contribute so. right right so just one younger brother I have two brothers two brothers yeah are they both younger? Are you the eldest? I'm the middle child. You're the middle. And the only girl. So that that was a lot growing up too. I'm the only artist also. If your brother's in med school, everybody's kind of brainy or what? Yeah, dude. My older brother's a lawyer. Really? And my little brother's going to be a doctor. And I'm the artist. Huh. <laughs> You're like the very spiritual, you know, like hippie daughter. Yeah, dude. It's just like. How does that happen? I don't no and i feel sorry for my mom sometimes so i'm just like i'm sorry mom i know you wanted me to be another way but this is how i am uh-huh. <laughs> like, they're still trying to understand me but you know they're trying really hard like to open up to my ways yeah and i want to talk about like your spiritual journey because i think that plays a big part in your life and your personality but i want to figure like when do you feel like that subtle or like that gradual change began at what age did you start tapping into that i i feel like i've always dwelled in that inner world um and i never spoke about it growing up like I always felt like I didn't quite belong. Like people were always into a certain thing and I was never too into what people were into, but I just move along with it because there was no one quite like me. And um, I don't know, like I, I always would just keep it to myself, like writing in my journals and just like in my room, like writing music. And it wasn't until like I met people of like minds in college. I was like, oh, you feel this way too? Like you feel like you're from beyond the sky too? Like that's great. Beyond the sky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing is like now I I wonder about you as a child because like now (laughs) you're outward image projects like you can pick up a lot of your personality from your outward image like you wear your heart on your sleeve and, and i can't hide it anymore, yeah your, fa- your fashion dictates like oh if i start talking to this girl like it's going to be like a spiritual conversation you know what i'm saying like you can pick that up from looking right. at you which is great though but so as a kid like you're going to elementary school in hollywood you know in the valley in the valley yeah, yeah yeah i was born in hollywood but i was very much raised in the valley. What part of the valley? Like the worst. I mean, no, I don't want to say that. Just, you know, Northridge, Grand Hills, whatever yeah. that means. But I didn't kick it there. I kicked it in my bedroom. <laughs> kind of a, kind of a uh, creative loner yeah, that, yeah that that's been kind me. of a theme of recent podcasts that i've been doing like uh there seems to be a theme of um a string of of being antisocial among creative minds yeah. and kind of like staying locked in the room and perhaps you know pursuing your interests there alone yeah yeah because i don't know just i guess for me it was always like i could be free by myself because when i try to bring other people with me they'd be like you're weird well where would you go i would just be like yo we're in a forest now it's like my backyard (laughs) (laughs) come on i'm pocahontas you want to like go down the river with me (laughs) (laughs) and they'd be like okay and i'd be like fuck they're like don't you got any barbies though yeah you know i had barbies and i would do weird things to them i just like what Yo, I don't even want to go there. But I, I do. That sounds <laughs> funny. Let's go there. Dude, you know, you want... I used to make my Barbies, like, have sex and stuff. Like, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know what to do. It was just like... They, didn't, e- they, di- they didn't even have parts. They didn't. And I was like... <laughs> 
well, we take the clothes off and it's just like bland. But, you know, that was just like a phase and it didn't really like do much for me. Huh. So I gave I gave all the Barbies away to the Philippines. Yeah. So uh, you, <laughs> so like you're going to elementary school in the Valley and, and like, are you just around a bunch of like white Valley girls or like? It was a mix. Like there was there was white people, Mexicans, like one black person and like Filipinos mm. but like all the Filipinos were like into this like oh Pinai Pride like Fila Pina Adidas Nike but we're Fila I, I just didn't get oh, it Fila I was like Pinos. I was like I'm not Filipino like growing up I actually didn't want to be Filipino because I didn't I didn't know what that meant and like on TV there were no Filipinos and it was just like I wanted to be everything else besides Filipino you know, and it's kind of, it's kind of messed up. But I, I guess that was that was a part of my story of like coming to. So did you go through phases where you tried to identify more with other races? Yeah. Like, did, were you like, oh no, I'm like a whitewash, and then you did you go through a chola phase? Yeah, dude. Get I was out. like, call me in heli. No, I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no. like, yeah, your real name is Angelica Lopez. Like, you could pass for it. You could pass for it. Um. Well. It was pretty much whatever music I was listening to at the time. So, like, when I was listening to a lot of, like, R&B, I was like, yeah, I'm half black. I'm light-skinned. Yeah. yeah. And then when I was listening to rock music, I was like, yeah, no. I'm in. But, like, I would never claim myself to be that. I would just, like, hearken to those qualities of, yeah. of that music because I was just searching, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what you do when you're young. You kind of you look around you and see what you identify with and try to like mold into that rather than looking inside and then having your outward image like be an extension of that yeah absolutely i mean i was a very confused young white person that was into rap you know what i mean like yeah i I had a lot of self-hatred going on as a white man man (laughs) so much so much self-deprecation but we just didn't know better you know and there was no one to really like ask about these things so it's just like this internal conversation that like happened every day yeah and and, you know being a first generation or second generation american i guess like with uh immigrant parents must have made it even more confusing yeah well i think i'm technically first generation in america yeah yeah so um yeah, it was you guys very... are both first generation. I think is how that works. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, we're we're both first generation. Sure. Um, either way, it's it's always strange growing up in a place that feels very foreign. But I think that at the same time, in the whole process of it, it it strengthens your identity. Like in the end, because you you always like want to know. Like once you start questioning, you start digging deeper into your roots and then then you find out like what composes who you are and like all the lives that had to be lived and died in order for you to exist in this specific point in time of like the human timeline. And um, you start to be so grateful, you know, uh-huh. um, and then, you know, you just have like this sense of pride and you're very proud. For show, yeah, yeah, it's a one in a billion chance that we're sitting here right now. I you know, know what I'm saying? but at the same time, like it's not even chance. Like everything is like divinely placed. In, like kismet. Kismet. If there's anybody in the planet that I thought would know the word kismet, it would be you. Come on. I know what's wrong <laughs> with me. But... Um, <laughs> did school come easy for you since your family's brainy? Oh man, I mean, I always. Or were you always a daydreamer? Recently. I was always drawing my notes, yeah. um, 
But I knew, I just knew that this wasn't what I was going to be doing. So I was just like, give enough effort to pass, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And um, any chance I could get to like make my assignments relate to my music, I would. So. You know, I got I got my BA, woo, and sure. you know it's done. Yeah, but yeah. I'm still in debt. <laughs> I, I feel that. Yeah, that's the thing too. You can draw as well. I forgot about that, oh. and sculpt as well, like a little bit. A yeah. little bit. But your drawings are pretty intense. Like, what was the first creative outlet for you as as a kid? Like, what what came first, music or first, art or okay. drawing? Um, to be honest. First, it was drawing, but my parents told me I was dancing as a baby all the time. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, actually, I, I was dancing early on, but then I would get very shy in front of people. Like, I did tap dancing and ballet when I was young. Nice. And then during our, like, first recital, I didn't even go on the stage. Mm. And my mom got so mad at me because like, we had to buy fight. the outfit and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the first the first outlet that I'd say where like it was a continuous thing was was with like the pen and ink like started writing poems and like drawing pictures. It was always the same picture like what would you draw? It was like a tree and then and then a swing hanging off the tree branch and then a girl and a sun and like a cloud. It's all very symbolic though of something right yeah. <laughs> I was just like why do I draw Freud would have something to say about that. Freud has one thing to say about everything. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but he just came up earlier. Well, we we were oh man, I was talking to Zero about the the Adam and Eve. Yeah. And um how the tree was just like symbolic of the tree of life and like Freud came up and I, I was always really confused with like the meaning behind that but I'm currently reading the autobiography of a yogi uh-huh. and in it he's talking to his guru about you know what the symbolism behind that that tale is so I was just thinking this morning how we truly are like trees upturned where like our hair are the roots and then like our nerves like are the branches and then through our senses we enjoy the many fruits of life you know yeah and then like the apple was like you know sex and like the serpent which was the devil is really you know like the the kundalini snake that creative force which the creative force is the same as the sexual force. It's the same, uh-huh. like, energetic center. Uh-huh. So, you know, just, like, things are starting to, like, be unveiled the more I seek. I don't know how we got there, but trees, art, drawing. Yes, drawing. <laughs> you're drawing the trees, and we are trees. You were drawing humans. That's, yeah. what, that's what you were drawing. You were drawing humans. Yeah. Mm. No, I was that's, trying. that's great. Uh yeah. Did your parents start making you take piano lessons, or were, were you just drawn to it? Uh, my, well, my older brother, he was so good at the piano, and I was like, Mom, I want to learn. And she was like, you're not old enough. And I was like, please. How old were you when you said that? I was like five. Yeah. And then she was like, okay, fine. And then I started, and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Let me stop. But then she was like, you can't stop now. You got to keep going. <laughs> so like, I just kept going, and... You know, I went through like two main piano teachers, like the first five years of my piano life, like I was asleep during lessons and my teacher would actually play over my hands and like play the notes for me. Uh. So I could play these pieces like half asleep. 
but like I realized like years later that that was beautiful because rather than like playing notes, I was like feeling the songs under my fingertips and feeling the expression, but like kind of like half aware. And that's kind of, you know, how you want to be playing music, you know, like half there and half not. Yeah. Um, when did it start to click? Once I started to get good like yeah. on my own. Like, when was that? I'd say when I was in sixth grade. I was playing this like Edward Grieg song called Wedding Day and Trolled Holgen. And like there was this really intense part. And I was like, oh man, I can never play that. And I practiced for like hours, like six hours a day. Like that was my life. Really? You know, like, yeah, I had like no social life. Like it was just piano, it was just music. And like piano was my entire life. And like we would have these goals, like, okay, so who can practice the most hours in a week? Like there'd be this chart and I wanted like five gold stars. So I would like try so hard to like practice at least three hours a day. And so, yeah. So age 12, it starts to click for you. And then do you start writing your own compositions as well? I started writing my own compositions on guitar because like it's crazy. Like I never felt like I could write on piano because I was used to playing intricate stuff. Uh But on guitar, like I picked it up and knew absolutely nothing. And And you can just kind of plunk away until something happens. Yeah. My dad taught me three chords of like a Beatles song that I don't remember. Uh And I was like, oh, I could just learn chords like you can make an entire song based off three chords on yeah guitar. absolutely so that's when i started writing my own stuff that's all of rock and roll <laughs> three chords well that's cool like i mean i guess that's all you need because like you just put soul into it you know and like with those three chords you can expand upon it in so many ways right you know yeah yeah so you had, had a lot of musical instruments laying around the house then if you just had a guitar to pick up and a piano. Yeah. So dad musical, mom musical, which one? No, man. Like, it's weird. I mean, my dad always loved music, but he he played some guitar. He never got to pursue it because, you know, he, he had a family and, you know, had to be concerned with, like, making money to feed everyone. So I always feel like it was, it was a, a blessing because, like... I'm sure they would have loved to have been able to have the opportunity to learn music at, at uh, an early age. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the music instruments were just around. Like, same with the harp. Like, it was just there. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had nothing else to do. Cause, like, we lived in, like, a gated community, and I couldn't cross the street. Mm. So... <laughs> So you get really good at piano at 12 and, but it's kind of like being good at piano is like this hidden talent. I remember like, um, actually in sixth grade as well, like, um, some girl in my class, we had like this little mini talent show or like show and tell or something. She brought in a keyboard and played this like amazing piece in front of the class. And none of us knew uh, that she could do that because it's kind of like this thing that doesn't come out when you're in school. You know what I mean? And so was it something that you like just had for yourself and no one else knew about kind of? And I, I played for the talent show like every year okay <laughs> yeah like in in elementary school and i think i think around my class like i was i was known for my music stuff uh-huh. because i was just like i i loved performing for the talent shows and so yeah what are you like in high school did you start making Yo. friends did you have friends yeah i had some friends i was so weird man i'm like <laughs> i was so weird okay i'll tell the story I'm a sophomore and I'm in biology class and I've told people this story before. But um 
I'm there with like my deco marker, like tagging up my biology book because uh-huh. I'm like, I think graffiti is cool. And like the table next to me is like cheerleaders and football players. And like they're talking about MTV in the real world. Uh-huh. And I'm just like trying to like zone in. And like I keep hearing their stupid conversation. Like I never talked to them. Uh-huh. And one day I just can't take it. And they're talking about the real world. And I'm just like, you guys don't know shit about the real world. <laughs> And they just, they all just stop and they're and like, they're like, fuck you, we know Puck. No, I'm just kidding. They're like, what's your name? No, they knew my name, but they're just like, uh, okay. So were, were you like the, were you like the strange artist girl that like the jocks were scared to talk to or something? Do, like, I don't yeah, know. I was, I'm trying to figure out the dynamic, you know? I was pretty, I was pretty like weird. I was like weird artsy girl who hung out with with people who like didn't really have a crowd yeah you know but they were into certain things like art and anarchy and like punk rock and and like hip-hop yeah so like i'm always interested when i meet people like you that have a very defined style as an adult like how you were dressing in high school like what were you dressed like well, we had to wear uniforms. Oh, you had uniforms. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I expressed myself through like my jewelry and like my platform he- shoes uh-huh. and like any sort of way that I could like put in my individuality, I would. But yeah. they were so strict. Any way that you could say fuck the man, you would. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> but it it was more of just like I want to be free. Like, yeah. why can't why can't? Yeah, I would imagine a uniform for you must have just been very prison like or something. It was. I but you know what? I was I was kind of just like, oh, you know, four more years of this shit, then I'll I'll be able to wear what I yeah. want. Yeah, where where was the uniformed high school at? Is that like a private school or something? Notre Dame. What's that? Where is that? It's in Sherman Oaks uh-huh. in the valley. It's mm. like a catholic private school yeah filipinos are pretty heavily catholic were you raised catholic yeah it's so catholic like it sucked really (laughs) like church every sunday every sunday and then it started to get better once i started ditching church to go to the park and like write poems under a tree that's when i was like you know what i don't have to go to church when was that um it was like when i was like in eighth grade yeah you know and dude that's the same time i stopped going to a catholic church right it's just like no one here wants to be here there's something about that age of 13 well in the catholic church it's when you are about to get confirmed you know what i'm saying yeah i never got i never got confirmed either but i had like first communion all that i was an altar boy all that shit but yeah but like right at the same time in like eighth grade was when all my friends were getting confirmed and my mom was like look you can either you can get confirmed or you can do chores all summer. And I was like, you know, I, I don't really believe in this shit anymore. Like, I'm going to do chores. It's chill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a good choice. She, like, was, she was bummed, but you know what I mean? It is what it is. Yeah, I think, like, at that age, you kind of choose if you want to be confirmed. But all the other sacraments, I yeah. think they're called, you, you kind of have upon to. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you baptize. I mean, obviously, when you get baptized in the Catholic Church, you're like an infant, infant. And then, like, you know, First Communion, you're five. You don't really understand that. They're yeah. Telling, they're literally telling you like hey you are eating a piece of jesus christ's body right now Dude. like that's what they're like literally this is jesus christ's body and this this wine that you're taking a sip of is literally his blood that is some dark shit when you're five years I old i know you know a lot of 
Catholicism is is quite dark. I mean, in my head at that time, I was just like, "Ooh, what's that taste like? A cracker?" Yeah, you know, yeah like, totally. Like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, the bread tastes pretty good." I was like, "Oh, this makes my breath smell." Like, huh. Yeah. Did yeah. that happen to you? I was yeah, just absolutely. like, I hate this aftertaste. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't want this anymore. Right. <laughs> and I'm not here to hate on Catholicism. It's cool. My mom is still very involved in the church. I'm down. I wouldn't have changed my upbringing at all. It just wasn't for me. You know what I'm saying? No, I feel you. And I, I feel like perhaps just I was a bit scarred with it. Um, and it's not that I don't believe in a lot of the morality behind it, because I, I feel like being brought up Catholic really grounded me in just like just basic morals. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, but as far as like the practices and stuff, like the know. rituals of it yeah, yeah. It, it's not quite for me but, yeah same. Um, and, okay. and i agree completely like the actual morality of christianity is really solid and i feel like once you get the once you get the hang of the morals of it uh and you practice those then you you know maybe the rituals you, you might not need them if you're yeah a certain type or, of person. or make your own rituals yeah totally because like all all religions kind of have this thread through them you mm. know i mean like the good ones you know there's some strange ones i don't know like scientology i, I i'm not sure if that's a religion but yeah, um, i don't even want to bring up scientology yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm like I'm, I'm scared of the i'm scared too man. i'm scared just of the scientologist driving by assassins. that place yeah. i just like get chills yeah, yeah. there's always someone on the street like yeah. wearing white i'm just like oh, oh god <laughs> <laughs> can the light turn green already? oh man but, that's um, funny so you're uh, you're going to the high school and you're wearing a uniform the whole time, and uh, are you taking band class there and stuff like that? No, I'm just I'm just writing writing guitar songs and yeah. like fucking being so moody. Did you have like a little boyfriend you would sing your songs to or anything? Yeah, I had a boyfriend at the time, and like all my songs were about him. Yeah, and like he never liked them, and I would just write more. <laughs> like, until he liked one that was your goal yeah he was like oh i like that one and it was like the one that was called i hope she fucks you up the ass what (laughs) so were you writing like punk rock songs or you know sometimes i'd be like and like that would come out because like i listened to like some like spanish punk rock and stuff but um you know like the heartfelt ones like he liked them but it you know i guess it's like kind of weird when like all the songs are about you and you're like in a relationship with this person like and you're 16 you know but um i outgrew that yeah did you get your first whip when you were 16 well i was 17 17 and and i definitely like did not deserve it but did it kind of i I feel like getting a a car in los angeles is probably like a very eye-opening thing because all of a sudden you can travel to all these varied places school that's all you would do is just drive to school. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't take it anywhere else. You couldn't well, go explore on the weekends. I could, but I had a very strict curfew. Mm, what was and, it? Um, it was eleven, and then it was twelve, mm. and then it kind of went away. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I, I had a car, and it was great, and I could parallel park so good in it. And then in college, like I crashed it. Oh, um, bummer. Um, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. Right. Like another lady, she messed up. She messed up so bad. But then when I look back on that, and it was crazy because the day before I got into that accident, I called my boyfriend at the time and I was like, yo, I feel like I'm going to get in an accident or like something's going to happen. And he's like, oh, I'm tripping. You had a psychic moment. Yo, that happens. That happens to me sometimes. That happens to me a bit too. Yeah, because it it makes me wonder, like, are things already written in the stars or like events, like, like landmark events, like meant to happen. It's just a matter of time before we like cross that line and like 
how much of it do we like influence or can we speed up things that are like already coming towards us? It's like, I mean, sometimes I think about that, but then have you ever thought about that while you're on acid? No, I'm just kidding. No. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't, I, oh man. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. So wait, I, I'm curious, like when you, when you're in high school and, and you're graduating, you already feel a draw to music. You already feel like that's going to be your career, right? That's a, that that was the path that you were aligning for yourself. Always right? in my heart, like yeah. that's what I always wanted. So, like, what what was the decision like to go to be like, all right, look, I have to like do the normal thing and like go to college and stuff. Well, my parents were like, "You're going to college," right. and I was like, "All right, well, I'll be a music major." And so, so where'd you go? Well, I went to Cal State Northridge, yeah. like for music, because they had the best music program. Shout out to CSUN. Yo, yeah, not really. Oh. And then after, no, just because Damn, I didn't stay there. Damn, get a dissed, cuz. No, 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 no. Like, it was because everyone in the music major was, I don't know, just, I couldn't meet anyone who was, like, in electronic music. And I'm sitting there with my counselor, and I'm like, is there any, like, major where I could just, like, do electronic music? You're, like, and, talking to your counselor, like, yo, is there anybody here that drops those fat beats? <laughs> I was like, I was like, I want to, I want to make beats, you know? Yeah, and she's yeah. like... What no. does that even mean? Yeah, she's like, no, you might as well drop out of being a music major. And I'm just like, really? okay, yeah, I'll do that. That's so not very I did. encouraging. No, it was it was such a blessing because I knew like sitting in that office that I had hit a wall. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to just be learning more Bach. Like I've been doing yeah. this my entire life. Well, that brings up an interesting question for me then because I, I assumed that maybe college was where you got into the beats, but it sounds like you got there and you were already into them. So when did you start learning about like wanting to make electronic music? I got reason when I was 18, like right after i graduated high school like freshman to college just start tinkering with it yeah because my friend at the time was like making beats and i was like oh i want to do that yeah and then so i just taught myself and um yeah i just started started making what were your early influences on making beats? oh man um okay to be honest like early early influences you know bjork yeah um but when i started making beats like i liked LP, El Producto, oh, and like Aesop Rock. and like, Shout out to El Producto and Aesop Rock. I yeah. actually just tweeted at Aesop Rock today trying to get him on this show. I really, I'm a big fan as well. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I was really into like underground hip hop at the time. Yeah. So. Which records? Oh man, I don't know. Like I was listening like to Fantastic like, Damage or I'll Sleep oh, When yeah. You're Dead. Yeah. I remember that. I used to bump that in my car and think I was so cool. That was like an event record when that came out. That was a big that, that record was a big deal in underground hip hop when it came out. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm I glad I caught that wave yeah, like yeah. out in the valley. Yeah. I actually <laughs> for some reason, it's funny that you bring up LP. I have like a very specific memory of like the moment that I bought that C D from like Morning Glory Music and I was driving down Anacapa Street in Santa Barbara and putting it in for the first time and hearing the first noises on it and being like I can already tell this album is going to be so fucking different than anything else that's out right now. Like, it's a very jarring memory. Yeah, yeah, those frequencies, they were so jarring and aggressive and, like... But they still sounded good. Yeah, you know? like, they were, like, thick and, like, at the time, like, I really resonated with that because yeah. I, I wanted something so opposite of, like, classical and shiny. Yeah, like, I yeah. wanted something fucking dirty and, like, that did it for me at the time, so... Yeah. Yeah. And so what kind of um, noises are you using in your beats at that time? Did you have like a little MIDI keyboard that you're using? I had a MIDI keyboard and just Reason. Yeah. And so like, you know, I was putting Scream on everything. I don't know if you know. I don't know Scream. But it's like the Scream, like you can like 
put it under anything. It's like, oh, distortion. Yeah, okay, okay. You know, so I, I was trying to make everything sound dirty. Like but, a little plug-in that just kind of filthies everything yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah, for the drums especially. Were you, did, were you just using like the built-in drum noises and stuff? Yeah, I didn't know anything about sampling. Like, I just started sampling this year. Really? Yeah, like... Yeah. It first started, you know, with just like using the preset noises. Like yeah. I didn't know anything about EQing, but like I just wanted to like make things, so I just would do it. Uh-huh. And then I started like sampling myself, like with the instruments, and you know that that was like a whole another door that opened up. Yeah. But yeah, it started out with just like preset noises. And at this point, did you already did you already start playing the harp at that point? Yeah, I started playing the harp when I was in fourth grade. If I remember correctly, because I said, like, how did you learn to play the harp? And you're like, I taught myself. Okay, here's, here's like, the full story, because okay. it's hard to explain. Okay. Like, fourth grade, um, my mom's like, you want to learn the harp? And I was like, nah. And she was like, yeah, you do. I was like, all right, fine. And then <laughs> this... <laughs> I was like, nah. She's like, nah, motherfucker, you gonna learn it. <laughs> She's like, yes, you do. And I was like... Okay, fine, mom. Okay, I'll do it. And then so... I don't um, know what it is about, like, Asian kids that imitate their parents. It just makes me laugh so much. Dude, I can do it pretty well. Man, when my Korean homies, like, do their Korean Korean mom accents, it's hilarious. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, she taught me for, like, a year or two, and I learned... Oh, so she did play the harp. She... Oh, my... my, I had a harp teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she taught me, like, basic stuff like Beauty and the Beast. Okay. No, I think the hardest song I played was, like, Pachelbel Cannon. And then she retired, and then I quit, and then forgot everything. And then I picked it back up in 2009. I didn't know how to play a single thing, so I pretty much, like, taught myself from scratch. Mm. Because what she did taught me was so easy. Like, I remember being like, C... Because you already had that basis of piano, right? Yeah, I was just like, piano, like, I can play cooler stuff. And on, on harp, I was, like, playing basic stuff. So I was like, this is boring. I right. do this. Right. But then, um, you know, I came back to it, and I was like, why did I stop? Yeah. Did you ever go through a lull with your piano where you were, like, fell out of love with it or put it down? Like, or just has it remained a constant yeah. source? Right after I got my high school diploma in music and I started making beats... Um, I was like, no more classical. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And then I was like, I want to. But be you didn't. Free. In, you didn't instantly see the the keys as like a something you could utilize for making beats. It took you a while to put the two together or something. I mean, I use the keys. Like yeah. I use my knowledge of yeah. it. But like I was so about like expanding upon like everything that I was rooted in. Yeah. Um. And it wasn't. It wasn't until like a couple of years ago that I was just like, yo, like I have something with the piano. Like I'm tripping. I should use this. Yeah. Yeah. So for a time I was like anti acoustic stuff like I wanted like everything electronic. Yeah, you didn't want any like organic instruments. Mm-mm. Which is so funny cuz I feel like your whole life is so organic right now. <laughs> I'm so organic. <laughs> yeah, you are from the earth. Um yeah. <laughs> so you get to college and you're already wanting to make beats and and you're realizing that like maybe this music program isn't for me because my counselor doesn't know who LP is and shit, right? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So, like, did you start um, delving into the Los Angeles beat scene around that time? No, what happened was that, okay, I left CSUN because there was no, like, music thing going on for me, and I was like, I need to leave the Valley. I want to go to San Francisco. So um, I got the rest of my credits at Santa Monica College because mm-hmm. it'd be cheaper, and, you know, they had courses that coincided with what USF wanted. Mm-hmm. Then I go to San Francisco, and um, I'm studying there, and I 
dubstep was like not a known thing. It wasn't at like the bro time. step yet. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. yet. So like I was really influenced by like beats out there and then Ben has a dubstep tattoo on his butt. Shout out to I am he's, he's like, No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but uh, How old were you when you moved to San Francisco? I was twenty. Is that your, nineteen. Is that like your first time out of the house? Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? It was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was great because like I was like smoking weed in my bedroom oh, finally. Shit. And roommates like, or what? I had roommates? I had this like Thailand roommate and she was cool, you know, like mm. she was cool. Like she thought I was weird, but like we connected on account of we both smoked cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes at that time. It was mm. so terrible. But um, yeah, I was very different back then. I think I just needed to wild out a little bit because my parents were so strict. Yeah. But I got it out of my system. Yeah. Like, real quick. What kind of what, what kind of stuff were you getting out of your system? Um, did you start just, experimenting with stuff other than weed? Uh no. Like, well, I did try shrooms a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did like acid twice. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. Like, I never touched Coke or, like, anything like that because I was more interested in, like, psychedelics. Well, and that's the thing. I, th- I feel like uh, having done my fair array of, uh, of drugs, it's like you can kind of pick out what drugs are going to vibe with people. And, like, I would never – having talked to you, I never would think that, like, Coke would be something you would have tried. And if you did try it, that you would have enjoyed. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I could tell that, like, you, like, you know, you seem like you would have a good time on shrooms. Like, yeah. You know I, what I'm saying? I did have a good time. And- <laughs> Um, I feel like I would always like find myself drawing every time like I was on shrooms and just like watch myself like draw the ink into the paper and feel like I was just like writing history mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, for sure. But um, was this around the time that you started your spiritual journey was up in San Francisco? Nah. Well, I mean, what happened was like one day, like literally one day I was staring at the moon, just like fixed on the moon. And, and and I just felt like something was like, like being downloaded into my brain and like I couldn't move. And I was like, that's home. That's home. Like I'm from beyond there. And this whole my whole life is, is a dream. Like I need to go back to source. And like that's when like I, I first started to like hear the music from afar or something. Uh. And I was like, what's the name of that place? It's called Giga Gaia. And I just like started making up things and I started drawing mechanical fairies. Like, I don't know why, but I thought you were going to say you felt like something was getting downloaded. And then all of a sudden I knew how to fly a helicopter, just like in the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, is that I'm glad it, that the guys in the room are laughing because I'm like I, I don't want to sound like I'm clowning. I'm just trying to lighten the fucking spirituality mood because you know yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if is that what you would choose, like if you could have any piece of information downloaded into oh, your brain? Oh, absolutely not. It wouldn't be to fly a helicopter. Hell what no. would it be? Man, I don't know. That's a that's a really great question. What would yours be? Um, if you could download oh, any piece of information, yo. Like just like mad music. Oh, any piece of information. Sure. I want to read the entire Akashic record. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh, never mind. Um, I I wanna. I don't know, man. It's just like I don't even know, man. Yeah, me yeah. neither. That's a heavy question. Yeah, that is. There's so much to know, you know. Like the thirst for knowledge just never stops. Yeah, you're a lifelong learner. 
yeah, I'm a pupil for life yeah. of the universe. So in San Francisco, you start getting into the into the dubstep, and Ugh, your, I wouldn't say that I got into dubstep. Does like, your sound start to go that way? Um, yeah, I mean, there were a few beats where I was just like, I could do that, and then like, you know, it it was it moved in there and it left very quickly. Yeah, and um, yeah, I just wanted to be like singing over my beats. Yeah, but at the time, I didn't quite have anything to sing about, so it was just like a lot of garbage. Uh-huh. Um, so I just took it like it's time to just focus on like the beat making, and it was always just an escape from yeah. school. Did you know any other women that made beats? Because I think in the beat scene in general, like there's a definite shortage of women that make beats, mm-hmm. and and when they are found. Like they're, it's like they're worth their weight in gold because it, like you know, there's a certain ma- magnetism towards women that make beats. I think. Well, that's cool, I guess, because um, there should be more females making their own beats because I I feel like the female presence in music is so important because you know we we are the creators of life. Yeah, you know, like I know I wouldn't be the same without Sarah McLaughlin in my life. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> oh, the, her dog commercials just give me every time. I've never seen those. It's terrible. You oh. would cry. Uh, I don't want to cry. Yeah, same. Uh, when did you move back to Los Angeles? Did you um, graduate from, from USF? Yeah, I graduated from there. What did you major in? Media studies, and I minored in film. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you like do film stuff, too. Well, I'm about to. Like Once I get my, my camera, it's on. Yeah. Because I... I, I haven't been doing visuals, but I, I just have mad ideas. And yeah. I saved up enough money from the last tour to buy it. So right. then I'll, I'll be like doing it for real. But I've been editing other people's music videos and like learning from that. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like stirring up my desire to just do my own visuals. But yeah, yeah I minored in film. That was nice. It was fun. It was the most like free major at the time that, yeah like i could relate back to the music right right yeah so you graduate and then do you stay up there and hang out for a while or do you just i kinda... move back i move back home what did you start doing well what happened is like i just like connected with some people in the music scene and um i just i realized that like i didn't quite have anything to like truly contribute to the musical landscape that I believed in and a lot of my music at the time was very ego based so how so for instance I was very inspired by MIA um when Kala came out and I was like oh I want to rap about like being cool and singing about being cool but it's just like that's not my inspiration would run dry very quickly and I knew in my heart that like it wasn't right so what happened was that I just abandoned all that and then I started meditating and like reading books that like changed my life and I decided to like make music like and my spirituality be one in the same because that's the only way it was going to be sincere. What was the first book that you read that like opened that door for you? The Mysticism of Sound and Music. Yeah. By Hazrat Inyat Khan. I think that's how you say his name. But he's he's a Sufi um, musician and teacher and you should read that book. Like it it absolutely like really shifted me in a huge way. And um I believe everything that it's about is just like harmony and spirit and you know the interconnectedness with all creation and nature wow. so that really just like validated a lot of the questions and feelings that i've been having and like helped 
helped me align myself in a purpose that was greater than myself, which then started to give me something to write about. So, huh. That's very interesting. Did you get tattooed recently? Yeah, I got this like piece. Yeah, like, you got I like a know. big half sleeve on you. What, yeah. is that, uh, what kind of art is that? This is Filipino tribal it's dope. Tribal, did you yeah. get it over there? Or where did you go um, to get that? I got this at a shop called Spiritual Journey. Uh-huh. And of course. It's, <laughs> no, it's this Filipino tribe called um, Apat Na Alon, yeah. which translates into Mark of the Four Wave. And um, it was during a time where I was like mad reading up on like the history of the Philippines. And um, I learned that like what makes the Filipino is... Um, these four waves of generation, which is um, Afro-Asiatic, Poly-Malaysian, Indo-Arabic, and Spanish. Wow. And that that is what contributes. That's everything in my blood. And um, so it really, like, gave me more, like, guiding symbols as to, like, why I feel the way I do. And, like, pretty much, you know, there's a harp on it. And um, all the patterns on it are parallel to... The places in the Philippines where my parents are from, like there's different patterns for different parts of the island. Uh-huh. So like someone in the Philippines who knows how to read it can tell like oh, my story. Wow, that's really tight. Yeah, it's cool. Like I don't I don't completely know like everything myself, but I, I have the general like meaning. So who designed it. it then? Like how did they know? Um, yo, how did he know? Like he he just channeled it. Uh-huh. Like he's he's a spiritual dude, and we were kicking it there. And I was like, "All right, you're gonna draw me already." He's like, "Can't rush it." All right, and so we just had to kick it. Yeah. Then randomly, like he grabbed a sharpie and started drawing on me, and like I was talking to him, but like he couldn't hear me. He was just drawing. I was like, "Whoa! All right, just do the damn thing." That's tight. Yeah, like he's a very talented artist, and um, his wife. Zell, um, she tattooed it. So it's like their family shop. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful people. That's awesome. Four waves. Four waves. Uh, (laughs) How many projects have you put out now? I've self-released four four projects. What are they called? The first one is Chrysalis. Second one is Giga Gaia. The third one is Alchemizing Dawn. And the fourth one is Unearthly. When was the most recent one? Unearthly. When was that? That was in July. Oh, so just recently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I actually, I brought something for you. Thank goodness. You know, (laughs) only the good guests bring us presents. And so far, it's only been a few. I think Toy Light brought us uh, presents. Should I grab it? No, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do it after. Yeah. Um, And uh, and who else? Uh, Saul brought us presents and you brought us presents. That's great. We appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Are you still hand drawing on them or what? Doing the artwork? Yeah, well... Because I have my copy of Chrysalis still, with the oh, pen yeah. drawing on the front and everything. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I actually... The CDs I still hand make, mm-hmm. um, and I draw on the covers. Yeah. But um, the the last two EPs got pressed up on vinyl. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, in Germany. And so... Um, yeah, so how did Europe start finding out about you? Well, my agency out there, uh, Zoo Book Agency. How did you get an agency out there? They saw the Knox Study video. Get out. Yeah. So you owe me royalties? No, yeah, I know. Like, 
I'm saying like God. that really opened up doors for no, me. No, that's fucking awesome. Like yeah. that's uh that's really cool. That's the closest thing that I've heard to like a success story from one of those videos. So that's awesome. Yeah, she's she found that video and was like, "Oh, we want to tour her, but she doesn't have enough fans yet. Let's wait a couple months." Yeah. Yeah, like and then she just kind of went for it and took a chance with me. Wait, so like she hit you up like right when the video came out? Or no, what? she she hit me up like a couple months after, yeah. after like the numbers went up. Yeah, yeah. Because like prior to that, I didn't really have an internet presence. Right. And I don't even think like my presence on the internet is, is that big either, but yeah. it's definitely grown in the past year. Right. So well, it was so interesting when we released that video because it got off to uh, like a slow start, but it was because there was something going on with YouTube at the time, like within the number counting. And then all of a sudden it just kind of took on this life of its own and it just became one of the most talked about videos and like dudes were offering to marry you like that's what i remember is everybody's like oh my god this girl like i marry me like i can't believe she does all these things and Can she know. cook is that what one of the comments was i just remember that and i was like man you're like yeah how to cook oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, if you were frying an egg during that video as well, that's like, oh, wifey. Oh, that's funny. Um, so she hits you up and is just like, hey, this is awesome. Like, I want you to come to Europe. And what? She flew you out there? Yeah. That's so tight. What country? In Germany? It was like Belgium, Germany, France. And like, man, I don't remember. Like, I went around just, or just around Europe. Yeah. What like, was that experience like? Well, the first one was very difficult because I overpacked and I like brought way too much equipment. Oh yeah, and then um, that's what always happens the first time. I know, and then and second one was hard too, but this this last one, the third one, was good because all I had was a backpack and my keyboard, and like I figured out my live setup. Yeah, and I figured out how to mentally and like physically like spiritually deal with traveling alone like it's hard because i travel alone uh. and i don't tour with any other musicians is that scary um it can be scary if i like allow myself to perceive it that way but, but you um, keep a, a razor in your cheek yeah i like that's <laughs> good i like to feel that um i'm protected and I just like allow myself to flow with things. And then once I like open myself up to seeing things in that way, like, like things will reflect back to me like, yeah. oh, you're doing it right. Yeah. You have exactly the right amount of change in your wallet to pay for this croissant. See? Huh. Oh look, it's four four four. See? Like things like that'll happen. I'm just like, okay, like I'm on my course. Yeah. Yeah. What's and, your favorite place in Europe that you visited so far? Or does it all just kind of become a blur since you're there for a day? You know what? My favorite place, it has to be Cologne, Germany. Because uh -huh. the people are, are so kind to me there. And my shows are good. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say every time I've played there has been great. Like nice. As far as the sound and like the audience. And that's also where I got my like 10 inches made. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah. yeah got that, so that's like the home base for the agency? Is in yeah. Germany? Yeah. So whoever hit you up is doing a good job promoting you locally out there, huh? Yeah. That's tight. It's, I feel like people get more excited for me out there than here. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like that's only natural for places like when you have an artist from a foreign country. Yeah, yeah. It's like, ooh. Well, I mean, there's, it's a big fucking pool out here. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of fish in the pool here. Yeah. Or in the ocean or whatever you want to say, because fish don't live in pools. But you, you feel me? Like, yeah. it's 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 like the big fish little pond versus little fish big pond type thing, maybe. 
Yeah, you know what? That's true too. And I also feel like when I was playing around a lot here, like I, I wasn't necessarily ready. Yeah. So like maybe I didn't like make the right impression. Yeah. You know? Um, but that's okay, cause like I'm still. Yeah, I'm when I when I met you, I felt like you were kind of like anti the scene. Like there's, like, you was, were having like a scene backlash. Like, I was I don't very resentful. You're like, I don't want to fuck with this shit. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't, cause like I felt like I didn't belong, and I also felt rejected, and I felt like I just. I don't know. I was just really angry because, like, I was internally feeling things, you know? Yeah. But then I realized that that's an illusion in itself. Like, there is no scene. It's just, like, people on the planet, you know? And we're just doing things. And maybe part of why I felt that way is because I was excluding myself and not allowing myself to be open to making connections. Right. And that's that's something that, like, I've been doing this year is just, like, opening myself up to, like, people that are in the beat scene. But I'm still you know pushing through that like yeah do you see a, a move to europe in your future at all or what no nah, stay out here and just kind of commute i want to live in the philippines really yeah. for some time yeah how long do you think you would stay over there oh man um for as long as the work needed to be done you yeah. know i want to like build a sustainable house and like just make music and make yeah. you know i just want to be out there like more off the grid than yeah. out here because it's so expensive and i don't have a job anymore like i quit my awesome job at that music studio oh yeah yeah, yeah east west yeah that was the best job i will have ever had and i don't think i'll ever get one that good <laughs> yeah that shit was awesome like uh james and i would go visit you sometimes at east west just because it was like so cool to like hang out in such a crazy studio like yeah. it's just insane yeah. um zero is sitting in the other room over there and we've had him on the podcast before shout outs uh i was just telling him his is one of my favorite videos but like we talked about on his podcast you guys are dating how did you guys meet how do you how did your creativity feed off of one another um we met through the basis of music mm -hmm. um our our mutual older sister Shania, who musically goes by Darshania, mm -hmm. um, she put his song in a mix, and I was like, "Whose voice is that?" And um, I I found out it was him, and then I kind of just reached out to him, and we began talking like um, early 2012, mm -hmm. and then um, it kind of just like came together and came together and came together. Then we were together. And it, it was really great because, like, I was searching for my king, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it came at the right time. Like, and and now it's great because, like, we're both doing music and can just, like, support each other and inspire each other. And just, like, you know, we're trying to figure out how to make it work, yeah. you know, as, like, musicians who don't want to get jobs. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. You guys fit very well together uh, in my eyes because having talked to him and having known you, like it just seems to work. But then I, what I just found interesting is you guys use the same language because when I brought I brought up the uh, you know the fact that you guys are together in in this podcast or in his podcast, and he goes, "Oh, that's my queen," and you just um, said, "I was looking for my king." Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's perfect, man. I prayed for him. I, yeah, it, it's like such a blessing because like beyond just like, oh, we're dating, like it's it's truly like it's just like a spiritual like connection where, you know, when you get close to someone, you have nowhere to hide. So like it's it's a lot of like 
everything that that you feel they will feel. So if you're gonna share anything, like you want it to be good. So um, it wasn't until like I met him that like it helped me like really see myself in a lot of ways that I couldn't like when I was still single. Uh. You know, like a lot of seeing my ego and like having to heal from past relationships and like being hurt in the past and you know a lot of personal stuff. But yeah, yeah. but generally, like I feel like that's that's what every like good um relationship does it like just helps you help you grow yeah for sure uh ladies if you're listening i'm out there looking for my queen as well <laughs> holler at me on twitter <laughs> no i'm just kidding what's up next for you next um this was a quick this, we've already gone over an hour do you realize that oh really this is a quick conversation wow like that, um, that, that was very interesting that's cool so what's that's up next cool. for you and then we'll get the social media stuff out of here and then we're gonna have you perform a song okay okay um what's next is um i'm putting out my next project called akash Aalai. um what does that mean bag Aalai is um offering in tagalog Oh, okay. Philippines yeah, yeah. and um, Akasha in Sanskrit is um, like ether, uh, so it's an offering from the ether to the Philippines. Yeah, and I decided this like before the typhoon hit. Yeah. So um, it's it's a lot of songs where I was like just trying to like channel an ancient voice in me and kind of like speak to the collective Filipino psyche because mm. like in the history of the Philippines, like there's a lot of repression and a lot of like culture that was like wiped away. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it, it's like, it's up to us who are alive now to like kind of define and like rewrite what that means. Mm. So that's what's next for me. And um, how far along are you into it? Yeah, I'm pretty like everything's pretty much done and yeah. written. It just needs to be mixed and I yeah. just need to like finalize the cover art. Mm, and then I'll be done. Dope. Yeah. Where can the people find you online? I I have a website. It's um, creatordiy.com, um, which is a spinoff of Create or Die. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I have a band camp, lowleaf.bandcamp.com. Can find me on Facebook. I think if you just just Google Lowleaf, just Google Lowleaf, things will pop up. Yeah, right? things will pop up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what song are you gonna perform tonight? I'm gonna play as one. As and one. Yeah, it's sadly I can't carry a full size keyboard, so like I've modified a song within 49 keys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna play something on the keyboard, and it'll be good to be out of my like comfort of having the harp. Yeah, like I'm not really even a harpist, you know. Like most of my life was on piano. Right, so. right. So you don't carry the harp when you're in Europe. Usually, either the promoter will rent a harp, oh. and so I'll play on like different harps in different countries. How's that? It's really dope. Like, yeah, yeah because like it's always it's always a different harp. And when I went to Ireland, I went to this town where like. They were known for harpists. Wow. So I got to like play on this Paraguayan harp and it was it was so dope. That's tight. Um, yeah, it's really tight. Um and it's a surprise every time. But yeah, out here I, I carry around the harp. Yeah. I'm trying to get sponsored by Kamac, because Kamac. They make electric harps, but I don't think they want to mess with me yet because I don't have any videos of me playing the harp. But I, I don't... Come back if you're listening. <laughs> holler at her. Come on. Like, what Come are you on. doing? You guys are sleeping. Yeah. It's because I don't have a Kamak harp to make a video with. So yeah. Like... See, it's like a chicken and, a, and an egg. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. how am I supposed to get the egg if I don't got a chicken? Uh, anyhow. <laughs>
Angelica, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate Thanks. it. The people have been requesting this, so I've, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, pe- believe it or not, people hit me up and they say, get Low Leaf on the show. And I say, Whoa. I'm going to eventually. All right, cool. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. My name is Lee. You guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. My man, Ben Shin, behind the boards, making it always sound buttery, at I am database, space with two S's. This is the social media part. Sorry. She's looking at me like, what are, why are you talking so much? Uh, Facebook.com slash kind of neat. Follow us as a unit on Twitter at that's kind of neat. YouTube.com slash that's kind of neat, where we're going to see Low Leaf perform as one. And you can find everything wrapped up in a pretty package on kind of neat.net. Thank you guys for tuning in again. My name is Lee. That was Low Leaf. And this was kind of neat. Yeah, it was tight.